Welcome, everyone, to this week's USL show. I am everyone's favorite backup host, Kevin McCamish, standing in for the wonderful Evan Valella uh, with me today. Standing in for me, standing in for Evan, our very own Merc with a mouth, Carson Merc. Nice. I like that. That's not bad. I can deal with it. <laughs> Alliteration is always a winner in my book. Always. <laughs> he puts the stat man in Statistical Maniac, Ryan Allen. Hello. How's everyone else doing tonight? Good, good. good. Yeah. He lives in the center of the country and the center of our hearts. Phil Grooms. Oh, I like that. It's got a very Midwestern vibe itself, that that saying, so I like it. I'm good. Um, I'm tired, and I made myself a white Russian because that's all the alcohol I have left is vodka and Kahlua, and I have some milk because I have kids. (laughs) He knows when you are sleeping. He knows when you are awake. And he knows when your team has been bad or good, so don't question him, for goodness sake. It's Pony! (laughs) <laughs> new announcements always kind of throw me off like that <laughs> uh, i had to i had to do good you know be be uh some good intros in, in evan's place so um right off the bat we're gonna thanks to our sponsor roughneck scarves official scarf supplier of mls usl and u.s soccer get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com also we are a proud partner of the beautiful game network you can find the usl show on bgn.fm or the uslshow.com don't forget to subscribe and of course soccer loco the best soccer gear website for any gear needs go to uh, uslshow.com click on the banner and give dk your love courtesy of us happy birthday to dk either today or yesterday Oh, it's his birthday too? Yeah, it, it, it was either today or yesterday, and it actually popped up on LinkedIn, which was an odd place, but I wished him happy birthday anyway. Well, go out there, click on our on our banner, buy some gear from him just for his birthday. <laughs> 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 All right, we'll start off real quick. Uh, I got a couple news items. We'll start off with USL ratings and playoff odds. Um, looks like they've been added by 538. Uh, it currently shows the top five to win the final as FC Cincinnati with 18%, Orange County at 15%, Real Monarchs at a 14%, Louisville 11%, and Pittsburgh with a 9% chance. Did you guys get a chance to check out this website? I didn't see that it updated. Mm. Did it update? Well, originally I thought Orange County was a favorite to win it. Oh, we lost Pony again. This is yeah, becoming he, he a... Just hit the mute yeah, it, oh. or, oh. it did... Uh, okay. it, uh, so 538's relatively good with getting all of their stats updated. So it as of uh, 927, and on August 12th, it was able to update with now FC Cincinnati as the favorite to win the final. And one of seven clubs now who are at above a 99%, or one of eight clubs, apologies, that are chance of making the playoffs oc monarchs louisville pittsburgh phoenix charleston and sacramento are those other uh, above 99 percent chances per 538 hmm sounds right yeah right <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like i rely on ryan and pony for my stats i, I think uh, this site is just supplementing them <laughs> i agree I think we can do a little better than judging what nine or six, seven teams with 99% chance to win it. Or to qualify, I think. Oh, to qualify. Like my that. mistake. Yeah, my mistake. Qualify. Or, we, or sorry, go ahead, Kev. 
I was going to say there's 30 some odd teams and what 16 can make the playoffs. So like just a little under half can make it. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's not hard to say given a certain amount of points, someone's got a 99.9% chance of making the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. And they've already declared six teams at less than a 1% chance of making the playoffs. Those would be a, a TFC two, Tulsa, Richmond, Atlanta, Seattle two and RGV. RGV really? Well, that's unfortunate. Kick, kicking the stones for me. I think there's more teams than that that have no chance. It's 530. Although, uh, Tony, I know you're really talking about this, that it has their uh, global rankings where it ranks uh, 576 different clubs across the entire world. This includes like the top five in Europe. You do all the top four tiers of England. You include the Scottish Premiership in there. And it was interesting where they rated a lot of the USL teams amongst this like top 576 clubs in the world. Yeah, it proves they don't know what they're talking about, or at least they're kind of ignoring important things. It really did. The The biggest one being what the Real Monarchs were better than RSL. That was funny. Yeah. In the updated rankings, it's now been switched that RSL is at 384 and Real Monarchs are at 391 currently. Okay, so they did fix it. Is 538, is it? It's not a soccer site. It's a betting site, right? Is that how it uh, works? Just number it's site, a, really. Oh, okay. It's a number Data site analytics. owned by yeah, owned by ESPN. They did a lot of stuff with the um, NFL rankings, March Madness stuff. Uh, they did political races. Oh, but it's owned by ESPN, and then uh, it's owned by Disney as well. <laughs> isn't isn't everything owned by Disney at this point? Yeah, I was gonna say I want to see their rankings on the Disney characters more than anything. I think <laughs> if you're not owned by Amazon by now, <laughs> pretty much Amazon, Apple, Google, and Disney. That's all you need. It's all it's gonna be pretty soon. <laughs> But it was interesting. Or sorry, (laughs) yeah, I was just going to rank the uh, USL teams, but they said it was the highest ranked at 331 in the world, which put them as the 14th best MLS team behind the Union and ahead of the Dynamo. And by comparison, Atlanta United was their highest ranked MLS team in the world at 100 in the world, which would be about equivalent of the seventh tier of the seventh ranked team in English Championship. Oh my gosh. It wouldn't be seventh tier. Or seventh, they would, I know. they would be placed seventh in the English Championship. Wow, crazy! I love that debate, that MLS versus Championship de- debate. I think it's interesting. Do you guys think that's accurate? Would you agree with that? I I would say that a good number of the MLS sides could be competitive in the Championship. Yes. Yeah, but not winners per se. Yeah, they feel like a mid-table championship team for the for the good the good MLS teams. That seems yeah. to be a common answer. I think I agree with it too. Anyway, USL. <laughs> um, other news we've got tonight looks like some news out of Greenville. The USL Division Three team uh, has been some branding's been announced. They're going to be the Greenville Triumph SC. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Better good. than bold. Exactly. <laughs> I was going to say better than disappointment. You go triumph at least. <laughs> Bold is the new standard for bad, unfortunately. It's going to be that way for a little while. I thought the logo looked clean, though. Yeah, it did. I liked it. I liked it. I think it got the approval of Mike Pendleton even, so that's that's good. That's some high praise. Exactly. <laughs> I, I like the colors, I think. Now that if I'm I'm gonna bring it up now, but I, I think I was a fan of the colors when I saw it. 
Yeah, it's green and blue. The green's a little bit bright. It's almost kind of like the OKC Energy, but a totally different vibe from the logo itself. So it totally works. I liked it. Yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah. It had me reminiscent of uh, Seattle, actually. Yeah, a lot of people said Seattle as well. Yeah. Speaking of Greenville, it looks like they are expected to sign John Harks potentially as their first uh, head coach. Man, isn't that surprising? All these names keep coming back. Yeah, well, yeah. It's just like <clears throat> he left early from FC Cincinnati and we never got a straight answer as to why, you know, and, you know, people just said maybe it was just disagreements between him and the front office. But boy, like hopefully they had a good conversation with the front office of FC Cincinnati before they hired him because uh, John Harks now has not the greatest record of, of just everything life, I guess, basically. I think that's as far as we need to go. He's failing at life. <laughs> I would say so, but I don't know. I don't know how far we want to go with that, but <laughs> I think I would think so twice about hiring John Hart. I think he was an okay coach for Cincinnati when he was there, right? I mean, their record was pretty good. Wasn't bad, that's for sure. They were an attacking side, especially at that time. They were very attacking compared to some. So I mean, in terms of just management, this is a really good signing for Greenville just to get like a very uh, coach with a lot of name recognition built up behind him. It's true. Speaking of teams that are expected to have their first head coaches announced uh, in relatively short order, looks like Birmingham Legion uh, is expected to sign Tom uh Soen? is that how you pronounce his name or Soen? i don't know s o e h n i don't want to i don't want to butcher it any more than that so uh potentially the first manager for birmingham legion there yeah i don't know a whole lot about this guy unfortunately um he serves as a scout for the columbus crew right now is kind of the first thing that pops up when you look him up does anyone else know anything about him He's got some interim coaching stuff, some assistant coaching stuff for a few teams in MLS. But other than that, like, I don't think so. He was drafted by the Dallas Burn <laughs> back in uh, 90, 1996 MLS inaugural draft. So that's interesting. Well, Chandler um, Hofton to help build his team around. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is that Birmingham, Birmingham man, the American version is Birmingham. The British version is Birmingham. I got to keep correcting myself, and I think all of USL fans should start paying attention to that, actually. Um, but, um, yeah, Birmingham has been doing a very good job so far. The logo is good. Uh, signing Chandler Hoffman was a really good move, and um, I think they're on the right track. So give them some, uh, some maybe, I would say give them a little bit of uh, leeway, and maybe they made the right choice here. I'm also seeing that he was an assistant to Bob Bradley at the fire. And um, he was also an assistant at DC United, so he kind of needs his own team. It looks like for the first time. So, so, so you're saying he was he was drafted by the Burn and then worked for the Fire? Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> He's a hot candidate from what I heard. <laughs> hey, yes, I love yes. it. Oh, good to be good to be good to have you here, Carson. Yeah, no, I, I'm like that one guy. Like, I'll, I'll come in, I'm a fan favorite, and then just disappear for like months, and then pop back up. Is that self declared fan favorite? 
I was going to say, what fans? <laughs> what fans? <laughs> I, I have family and friends. And Perfect. Wife. Yeah. That's right. You are married now. How's married life? Not bad. Yeah, no. I feel like I got married a while ago, but I haven't talked to you guys since. But no, married life is good. Can't complain. I've been married for over seven years. <laughs> <laughs> Same I'm here. Sure I'll be back Still, good. Still good. Still good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. The last bit of news here. New York City SC alone side Abdul Salam to Phoenix Rising. He made 64 appearances for Sporting Kansas City over a couple seasons. He's made four appearances for New York City FC and has two assists for the club. So how about that? Looks like uh, Phoenix Rising getting some MLS stuff there for them or talent or whatever. I think uh, I think Harry was a little hurt that NYCFC didn't send him to San Antonio. He was a little personally hurt by that. Yeah, isn't isn't that their affiliate? Oh yeah. yeah. It's, it's, why why would they loan them to somebody else? I don't get that. Because NYCFC is very poor at maintaining their affiliation deals. When they had their final season with the Hammerheads, they didn't send a single player down to us during that year. I liken it to St. Louis FC. St. Louis FC almost uh, partnered with Minnesota this year. And kind of got, they pulled the plug at some point. It felt like it was going to happen and then it didn't. And I think NYC was the same way. There were, they were like, they were going to affiliate. And then instead of pulling the plug, they just went through with it and they just chose not to use it. (laughs) It's just been pointless. Pretty much Ryan, right, Ryan, all of their affiliations have been terrible and unused. Start. There was one year with the Hammerheads in 2015 during our affiliation. We had a match against the New York Red Bulls. You that got our first one of that season, one of only three, where they loaned like nine of their own players to the Hammerheads for that match because the Hammerheads were playing up in New Jersey at the time. So, like, it wasn't truly a Hammerheads victory since half the team was New York City reserve players. Mm. But outside of that, they just signed a few of our players like post a couple seasons but like it, it wasn't anything that ever benefited us in year it was just more of like doing trials like Andre Rawls who's currently with Orange County is a former Hammerhead player who got trials with NYCFC mm-hmm. but no it doesn't seem like they ever had like a truly strong one and I could definitely I'm curious if we'd ever reach a point with uh, MLS and USL if they would ever say that if a team doesn't have an MLS 2 team there would be nothing requiring them to do an affiliation deal if they don't want to because it almost seemed like, hey, just say it for what it is. And if there's no affiliation in place, don't put one down on paper if it's not going to show any, any just if it doesn't show up on the field. Yeah. Yeah, the only, the only thing I can think of is they signed uh, Ibiaga from San, San Antonio. And then I think the kid uh, Lopez for San Antonio now, I don't think he's on loan. I think he might have got cut by NYCFC and went to San Antonio. So I don't know if it was like, a, we don't want to keep you around, but we'll send you down there and hopefully work your way back. But I like that. So actually, it sounds like even with as long as far ago, away ago as the the Hammerheads, it was more of the opposite of two teams where they're actually giving guys a chance on the next level rather than sending them guys down constantly. It's kind of interesting, actually. I don't think New York City FC is the only side that does this, like – more one-way street type thing. You know, I, I know in 2014 when the Timbers had their first affiliation with Sacramento for that one year, 
like San Jose kind of like got involved, but then didn't almost didn't in, in send over like anybody that season. It was all just Portland players. I think they got loaned down two, three or four of them. I don't remember how many. Um, and then we were just like, well, screw that. We'll make our own team. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there's been other, there's other teams out there. They're just like, well, I'll do it because everybody else is doing it. But um, I don't particularly care who I send to this other team on the other side of the country or wherever it's going to be, you know, down the coast or out in the Midwest or on the opposite coast and uh, whatever benefits me. I know that Colorado, like, do they loan anybody to whoever they're affiliated with? Because I know they're affiliated with somebody for like a long ways away, but I don't know if they loan anybody or just use it to like use it and abuse it, you know? Yeah. So they're affiliated with Charlotte and I think they do send guys down from time to time. And even, yeah. Yeah. But even Colorado Springs has a player or two of Colorado Rapids. So, um, and man, last time I watched them play, they had a defensive midfielder. I forgot his name, but he, he looks kind of hippie-ish. I think he's got dreadlocks or something like that. And um, man, I forgot his name, but he was very, very good. And so, Kyle I mean, Beckerman. Yeah, it was Kyle Beckerman. <laughs> Maybe he didn't More come like from Colorado. No, he came from Orlando. No, so I take that back. I take that back. I'm wrong. Okay. First time for everything. Nope. <laughs> it's like the <laughs> millionth. <laughs> well, we've got uh, games did happen. I assure you they actually happened. There were results. Um, and we've got a lot of time to talk about them, so let's do that. How about that? Perfect. Not not so much of the news. Let's, let's go through the games. First off for week 22, Atlanta United 2, 1. Ottawa Fury, 1. Um, Ottawa Fury scoring two goals and a 1-1 draw. Oliveira gets the Ottawa's goal in the 10th minute after Edison Edwards put known goal away for Atlanta in the third. After that, there wasn't much to, <laughs> there wasn't much going on after that. That was it for the goals. Did you get anybody watch this game? I watched some of the second iteration of this game. <laughs> Ryan, you want to, you want to tell us what happened here? Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. So the, the first 44 minutes was played on June 16th at Corey Field before there was a rain delay, and eventually that match was then called off. But since it ended before halftime, they had to come back and replay or play that second half. So they did the one minute of 45-plus stoppage time and, <laughs> and then played the second half at Fifth Third Bank Stadium in Kennesaw. Wait, and was there was a half-hour so- break after they did the one minute in stoppage time? I don't know what the break was. I he was just watching parts of the second half, but and I was asking Pony about this, and I was curious: was this the first USL match to have two different halves played of the same match at different stadiums? Pony, is he here? Yeah, I'm here. I'm, I just I, I mean I don't, that's not something I track, but I think it is because it seems so unusual. Most of the time, when there's a delay, it finishes on the next day or so, not. A month and a half later. Yeah, it would be interesting but, to see how many of the players on Atlanta that were available first <laughs> for the first half are actually on the roster for the second half. Yeah, no kidding. Wouldn't wouldn't they need to keep the same roster if at all possible? I don't know if it's even possible to do that, especially with a team like them. Or that that length of time between the first first half i guess so so here's my question so was it just 44 minutes played on june 16th or did they finish the first half on june 16th no it wasn't they actually they actually had a halftime a minute into the game so they, they did so do they literally it had to finish one minute of the first half and then if <laughs> it took another 15 minute break that's ridiculous 
it was pretty amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> this is just, you can't make this stuff up. It's but too- I know that the USL, ha- I, th- I think the USL has a rule, unless I'm thinking about MLS, but somebody has a rule where if a game is called off after the 70th minute, the result stands. But before the 70th minute, they I don't know if it's you have the option to replay or continue or whatever. Um, I just know that it, it, it seems like if they had finished the first half and then canceled, they still would have had to go back and play it to at least reach the 70 minute, 70 minute. Mark. Yeah, they would have. I think that changed at the beginning of last season. I remember that was a USL rule that they changed. Cause I think the the call off used to be a shorter amount of time. And I think they tried to make it a little bit longer so that it was, I don't know, more legit. I don't, that could be debated, I suppose, but. Yeah. And honestly, this continuation was pretty uneventful. There was not a single shot on target in the second half of this match. Ottawa took three shots in the entire second half. Atlanta took six. But although, I mean, there's only five fouls conceded from Atlanta, but I would definitely have to go back and check if they have the same roster from the previous one. I'd be more curious if the 35... 196 people from the first match wanted to make the trip to the second one. <laughs> <laughs> Not likely. Not likely. Probably. Right. I, I bet you as a player just going like this, this seems ridiculous. Like let's just kick the ball back and forth and just finish the clock. Right. Uh, I'm sure both sides were probably happy with a one, one draw. No kidding. So um, up next we had Bethlehem steel handing Charlotte independence, a three nil defeat. Um, Bethlehem Steel goals from James Chambers in the seventh minute, Omar Holness in the 74th, and Drew Skundrich, I'm assuming after the 74th minute, because Ryan, you didn't put a time uh, stamp on his goal. Oh, call him out. <laughs> Ouch. I don't know. Well, I didn't watch the game, so I don't know when it actually <laughs> occurred. But So there were three goals there. What was that? Uh, my mistake on that one. <laughs> it's okay. I'm just, just letting people know. I don't know what time the goal was scored, but probably after the 74th minute because it's usually how it goes right in order um anybody want to talk about this one i know this would be Evan's thing Evan's gone so carson did you watch it i did not and anybody who covers bethlehem steel is stupid and ugly oh (laughs) i think anybody that covers bethlehem steel is a good lovely person now i would say has poor taste in music me and evan had a couple musical debates recently but oh my gosh i love evan's taste in music but i i'm not necessarily (laughs) i like really cheesy music so um no i talked to evan about this game and i saw the highlights and the highlights are ugly and i think the game might have been uglier i think charlotte had a really bad game and Evan was saying how they just seemed either tired or they're just not good. I don't He wasn't necessarily decided on one or the other, but uh, Charlotte definitely didn't look good in this game. Um, only 40% possession for Charlotte and, and Bethlehem seemed to score kind of easy, nice goals. You know, like they were not trying that hard to score really awesome looking goals. But um, one thing to say about this is I wish Evan was here to ask him, but Omar, uh, Holness scored a goal, and I don't know how long he's been playing, but he's been injured most of the season. Uh, a guy from RSL who's really quality midfielder. So it's cool that uh, he probably hasn't been playing very long, and he got a goal already. So that's a that's a good thing for them. I think he was like coming off of an injury, and then got injured again, if I remember right, uh, at the beginning of the season. So uh, he's had a lot of injury problems. So it, it is it is good to see him on the field getting goals because he's a talented player. Yeah, he's he's equivalent to one of those like not Portillo because Portillo is amazing, but just like a, a two side. That's a hybrid pulling in some veteran guys who are very talented to uh, kind of supplement the young kids. 
And this was yeah. a game that um, Bethlehem Steel pretty much dominated every aspect, like 60% possession lead, 21 shots to 17 lead. They led in shots on target. They led on clearances. Um, they led on fouls conceded. <laughs> they led on goals. They got all three points. Um, everything went Steel's way, I think, on this match. Um, yeah, Charlotte's just not good. They're, they, I think they've won one of their last 12 games now. It's been bad, especially as of late, and they started a little bit bad. And literally this season for them, the only bright spot was like two or three games that they won very handily uh, toward the beginning, middle of the season. Pony, any thoughts on, on why that happened or Ryan? Yeah, I think their defense has been a problem. They, I mean, on those games they won, they've all been either only allowing one goal or shutouts and they, they're a team who doesn't seem to have the offense to be able to handle their defensive qualities, I guess, whackings. Mm. So w- wasn't Charlotte in f- top of the East at, at one point in the season? I think so. They won their first few games. Yeah. They won two of their first three uh, for Ottawa, two nil over Toronto. Then they had a 2-2 draw against Atlanta United. But over their last 12 matches, they've had one win. So that, so they beat the teams that are bad, really, really bad, and then became a really bad team themselves. Well, they also beat Cincinnati and Nashville. So Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I'm to take Cincinnati and one nil against Nashville, which is their last win. And, and uh, Charlotte's also at their lowest all-time ELO rating in club history at the moment. Oh, wow. Man, if I was a Cincinnati fan, or, you know, having lost to Charlotte, I'd be so embarrassed. <laughs> oh, boy. Losing by three goals, too. Oh, God, I, I lost by three. Man, who does that? Jeez. I will also say that... This... I'd like to point out I'm not the one bashing Cincinnati right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> normally Charlotte is a team that uh, Mike Jeffries, their coach kind of insists that they play out of the back no matter what. And um, this, that's just, that's what makes this 40%, especially weird. So I don't know if he changed their tactics or they just had an, an especially terrible day. So maybe something to watch if they've changed their tactics and, and they're not necessarily playing out of the back constantly. Sometimes when you have bad results, I think coaches might look to, to make a change or to get something. So that could have happened. Right. But like you said, it also could have just been a bad day. Though bad days happen every once in a while. For more information, ask the soccer goose. Yeah. Good follow there. Um, all right. Up next, Tampa Bay Rowdies and Charleston battery, uh, nil, nil draw. So there was that one. And Ryan, why don't you tell us about it since you watched it on ESPN news? Kitchen in Hilton Head, and they had it showing on one of the restaurants right on the beach. So it's fun just being able to watch it. But it was an interesting match. It had a uh, Tampa Bay Rowdies leading the shot battle at 14-11, but it was only 2-1 in shots on target with the Rowdies' advantage in that one. And you had a uh, 27-14 clearance lead for Charleston and 35 crosses from Tampa Bay on the night. It seemed like it as a no-no result. I think and both teams are. Uh, I think Charleston is probably disappointed they weren't able to take points here, especially against a his somewhat weak rowdy side the season, but with as low shots on target as there were having no goals is unsurprising. I actually watched this one too. And it was, I don't know. It was weird. It was a battle. It was going back and forth and just seemed like no one, you didn't really get a feeling someone was going to score at any minute. I don't really know how to explain what it was, especially because you think both teams have the potential to 
really beat the other one down if they if they had a good game. So it was just a weird game. Both both I, teams are confusing for me this year. I've seen games like that where you know three four five minutes in you're like this this game is going to end nil nil because nobody's showing anything that's going to make convince me otherwise. And and I've watched a game where it actually ended nil nil and I was like I want ninety minutes of my life back. Yeah, <laughs> this was definitely one of those for me. Um, up next, Tulsa, or, ugh, Tulsa <laughs> Roughnecks drop a 3-0 result to OKC Energy. OKC get the goals from Adam Jean in the 45th, Christian Valeski in the 49th, and Alex Dixon converts converts a PK in the 79th minute. Um, Oklahoma City had led in shots and shots in target, had a, the lead, lead in clearances, but... Tulsa uh, led fifty-five to forty-four percent in possession. You guys know this is the uh, this is the Howler game, right? Where the the goalkeeper kind of came out. I th- what did he do? He like yeah, bounced the ball or something? To, he tried to. Was it Serta? Did he try to make a move around someone? That's it. Yeah, yeah. That's what it was. He tried he to move. Not top ten for sure. I think. Yeah, he tried to make a move, really failed miserably, and it was just an open goal for the for the guy right outside the box. So uh, that was a bad was one. Was it uh, Jean or Valeski that was Valeski that converted it? Didn't he? No, but the Valeski conversion, the Valeski goal was also like he like fell over the opposite direction Valeski was shooting. So it was just a bad game for him. I felt terrible for him. You know, he's not the, actually that bad but I feel like every goalkeeper has a game like that at some point in their life. Wow, that's unfortunate. And especially against a rival, you know, like an in-state rival like that, that's got to right. sting a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and especially Tulsa being in the shape that they're in right now. That that kind of is like the cherry on top, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, Tulsa haven't really been able to pull themselves out of, out of their doldrums this season, but man, Oklahoma City energy sure did, didn't they? They're moving yes. up slowly, yeah. I don't. They, I don't know where they. They. I guess they must have signed a couple of players. I mean, they really pulled, pulled the, uh, pulled everything out and went straight. And they've been having some good results as of recently, and this one's another one to add to that. Yeah, I mean, they. Part of that is Velasquez for sure. I mean, he's a he's a steady, hardworking striker who isn't going to miss a lot, and he's going to work his butt off for you. And um, I think that's helped because they had a lot of faith in Jose Angulo this year and and they mutually parted ways like very relatively early in the season. And so they kind of had nobody for a while. And, um, you know, that trade with St. Louis, I think is, is paid off for them at least to get them up to 12th places where they are now and climbing two wins in the last two games. So, so pony, um, rankings projections for Oklahoma city energy. Are they, do you think they're, are they, uh, based on what you've got set to make the playoffs or not? No, they're kind of in a tie with the Colorado Springs Fresno group, which the teams that could maybe make it, but I don't think they're going to make it. They'd have to go on a little bit of a better run than they are now. Yeah. They're probably going to need to win most of the remaining games. Mm, wow, man. I we're getting the, that close. Yeah, the bubble looks like it's going to be about 50 points for both East and West. Oh, wow. Crazy. There I, there was like it's like some seasons uh 2 3 4 seasons ago where like the top seed in one conference didn't even like got like 40 something points. Well, they're also playing an extra about 
seven or eight games nowadays. <laughs> That's also true. So a lot mo- more games. The so season would be about over right now if we went back five years. <laughs> That's true. Um, all right. So up next, uh, we've got Real Monarchs beating Reno two to one. Um, looks like all the activity was in the first half. Uh, Real Monarchs getting goals from Charlie Adams in the tenth minute, Mikhail Chang in the forty-first, Reno getting a goal uh, from Brian Brown in the ninth. Uh, Salt Lake City did lead possession, um, but Reno beat him out on shots and shots on target. Uh, however, Salt Lake City, you know, gets gets what matters, all three points. And I believe that this is now uh, the second loss in a row for Reno. Yeah, they went. They lost to St. Louis last week, uh, but they went down to ten men in the thirty-third minute, and I think they only lost by a goal. So. Uh, they put up a really, really good fight where I actually thought they were going to go on a really good run. But unfortunately, they followed up a, a 10-man loss to St. Louis with a, a, a loss to Real Monarch. So that's a tough run right there. So watch them for the rest of the season, though, because they're very good. Uh, Weehan is starting with, um, I forgot the name of their their kind of removed striker that has a million assists as well. So uh, they're a really good team throughout the, the last stretch of the season. Well, and the other thing, I mean, Salt Lake City, uh, they've they've turned things around. They had a couple losses there, but it looks like they're getting back in the win column, and, and they're still top of the West. So you know, you can't uh, can't beat yourself up too much from lo- losing to the best team in the West right now. Exactly, exactly. They're a good team. I really was scared to death St. Louis was going to lose to them with 10 men because they gave up a shorthanded goal on top of that. It was just pathetic. Well, you had Reno – what going on a streak of un- sixteen unbeaten, scoring in the last fourteen yeah. matches, and, and only now have lost two in a row. So exactly, it, it, it's not panic time yet for for the people in the Silver State. Nope. Um, up next, LA Galaxy two gets two goals. Fresno gets one. All this activity in the second half. Um, Los Dos scoring uh, in the 50th and 72nd minute. Um, Frank Lopez with the brace. Um, Fresno getting the consolation goal from Christian Cheney in the 90th minute. Um, pretty crazy because Fresno had 25 total shots, only five of them on target, though, unfortunately. Um, so probably more Fresno failing to get tar- shots on target than total shots taken. Perhaps anyone want to comment on this match? Yeah, this is probably going to be about the end of the season for Fresno. I think they needed these three points against a team who's not going to be in the playoffs, but they still looked okay. They're like you said, they're a team who had problems finishing. There are a few chances yeah. they probably should have converted. They had one, I think it was off the post in the second half. That probably would have been goal of the week had it gone in, but I don't know. It's, it's one of those. There've been, it's a team whose they have potential to get better quickly next year. It's just a matter of if they manage to pull it off or not. They're another team that they didn't really sign a lot of extra guys to, where a lot of other clubs did. And you know they had some needs in the finishing department, and uh, they just didn't go get those guys. So, um, you know, like Pony said, I agree that they've got a really good thing to build on, and I think they have a good idea what they need next year. And if they make the right decisions, they're going to be really scary. Pony, you were, I mean, they have, yeah, they have quality wins too. They beat Sacramento, yeah. they beat Phoenix, they beat Swope Park. They're not 
I mean, when they when they show up to play, they are a very good team. It's just way too inconsistent. Yeah, and Pony, you were really high on their midfield, and, and they weren't players that I was familiar with at the time. Is that a team you've watched and been able to kind of figure out what happened there? I'm not calling you out. I'm just kind of curious. I mean, I think their midfield is still pretty solid. It's not quite as good as I was hoping it would be, but I think a lot of it's due to their front and back lines aren't or they're just average at best type ones. They don't have yeah. that great striker. They don't have those top defenders. They have a very talented mid, and that's where the significantly above average ends. Mm. Yep. And even then, they're not bad. They're going to probably be in that battle for the 10th seed. Yeah, I mean, I'm scared. (laughs) I'm scared because right above that group you mentioned, I think St. Louis is in the group where you think they'll barely make it into the playoffs. And um, they have a run this week coming up where uh, they play, um, shoot, sorry, they play Sacramento on Wednesday and they play Fresno on Saturday. And that's just a really scary bye week uh, lineup there. Yeah, that's that. It's a good group. It's going to be, looks like by projections, it'll be. Two of Swope Park, Portland, and St. Louis making the playoffs with one missing. Yeah. Um, going on to the next match, it's a uh, one with quite a lot of goals, so it's always worth. That's the one worth watching. New York Red Bulls two, four goals. Louisville City six. Uh, this was a really good game. So New York went up, I think, two nil to begin with. Uh, Tanari scoring the seventh minute. Cutler scoring in the 14th, and then Louisville started to come back a little bit. Uh, Il- I don't know how to pro- I don't know how to pronounce his name. Ilija Il- Ilik. I I I apologize if I'm slaughtering his name. He scores oh, in the 18th. He scores in the 18th minute, and then uh, from there it just goes five unanswered from Louisville. So Lancaster scores in the 43rd. George Davis George Davis scores in the 48th. Uh, Illich scores in the 53rd. Lancaster scores again in the 63rd minute. Um, and then Lancaster finishes off his hat trick in the 88th. And I think that was all six goals. Uh, New York had two in towards the end. Um, Aguinaga in the 80th and uh, Indam or Adam or Indam or whatever. He got a PK in the 90th minute. So uh, really good performance from Louisville on that one. Nice defensive match, it looked like. <laughs> exactly. that Because that's what I was going to say is is it was good, I suppose, in an attacking way. I'm sure that game was super exciting. I was too busy to watch it. But um, I worry that both these teams, who have a good history, of course, of performing and doing well in the playoffs now, um, but uh, how well can they do without defending? You know, if, if either of them face off against... Uh, Pittsburgh, what's that game going to look like and who's going to come out the winner? This is also the second game, I believe, and in the first game with a decent amount of time that uh, John Hackworth, the new coach for Louisville, was was in charge. And so are we seeing a change, uh, an attacking change for Louisville, who usually defends really well? And is this something that's going to keep going, or is this just a product of playing New York Red Bulls where you just got to outscore them? I kind of lean towards it just being it was New York. Yeah. And New York is basically a team where it's just as that we dare you to, we're going to let you score three goals and we'll score five on you. So who cares? <laughs> and sometimes it goes down like that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the third game this season, I believe, that's, that's had 10 total goals. 
Um, Oklahoma City versus Las Vegas on July 11th was a 6-4 game, uh, except the home side won that version of it. And then I know T2 beat LA to 7-3 um, earlier on in the season. It was the first 10-goal game. So uh, there are teams out there that are just like, we can score. Games like this, though, I mean, defenses win championships. Goals entertain, but defenses win championships. So, I mean, the match prior to this one between New- Louisville and New York Bowl two on, on June 30th was a, still another 3-3 result. So I guess this is just more of what kind of connects them. I mean, uh, it was 17-17 in the shot battle, but I think what's going to be more interesting is how they end up in the playoffs. Uh, Louisville is currently fourth in the Eastern Conference with New York being fifth, which would set up another rematch between the two. Huh. And a very dangerous trap the uh, semifinals for whoever makes it out of the one the eight seed yeah and unless this is the second season in a row that new york has had one of those games remember very end of the season they had a six five game to basically knock out orlando from playoff contention wow which i think is still the usl record for most goals in the game is, so that's what I was asking Ryan on the chat about was uh I know 11 goals is the is the lead is that that game I guess I think there was there another been Harrisburg another, but... Harrisburg one okay yeah that the really good game from a few years from like what five years ago that everyone needs to go back and watch if you haven't <laughs> seen it so 2015 six Harrisburg five that is a great game that's funny. Also, speaking of Louisville City, um, Hackworth hasn't coached yet. He apparently just arrived in town today. So, oh, okay, thank you. <clears throat> yeah, that Louisville City win was um, whoever's in interim in right now. I think it's just the players, right? Yeah, two players, I think. Well, I wonder if so few goals were scored. Hackworth wasn't there yet. <laughs> I know. I actually <laughs> thought it was going to get boring. It actually didn't get me a little excited that uh, that happened to a certain extent, but yeah. Well, I mean. Cameron Lancaster got himself a hat trick. Illich, again, if I'm pronouncing that right, got a brace. And, and Lancaster also got an assist to add on to his hat trick in a winning fashion. So, you know, I will be shocked if he doesn't get player of the week this week. But um, Moving on, Nashville 2, Ottawa Fury nil. Um, Nashville goals from Matt LaGrasa in the 31st. Brandon Allen converting the PK in the 59th. Looks like a much-needed win for the Tennessee side. Any comments, uh, discussion from you guys on this game? A clean sheet and two goals scored? I mean, what more can Nashville ask for? They should try to do this every single game, and they might win every single game if they do it every time. (laughs) So so you're saying if they score goals (laughs) and get a shutout, Every Did I say game, might? They might, they might win every game. Sorry, <laughs> I'm really out of it tonight. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> if they can pull off That's two goals and a clean sheet, yeah, they'd be in very good shape. Well, I think I mean, the thing with Nashville has been all season. Their defense has been great, but their attack hasn't scored. Even adding Brandon Allen, so um, definitely nice for them to you know, get the clean sheet and score because you can get a clean sheet and not win, but. I'm pretty sure if you score and get a clean sheet, you're guaranteed a victory. That's a guarantee. Yeah, I was looking at Nashville. They've only lost one game where they scored this season. Oh, wow. And eight of Nashville's uh, nine wins this year are shutouts. So they just got to score. And maintain. Score and get a shutout. 
It's a good strategy, everyone. Give it a shot. I feel like that's got to be the title of the episode, right? <laughs> it's got to be now. You might win. <laughs> I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> no, you're all night. You're all night. Come on. So they had a good crowd on, on hand for the match, too. Uh, 8,694. So I think there's people excited for soccer in Nashville. It's good to see. It is good to see. Um, up next, Charleston Battery 1, Atlanta United 2 0. Oh, that one. That one. This is the first two thing to throw me off. So Charleston Battery scored one goal. Atlanta United 2 got none. Just to be clear, the only goal oh. in the game came uh, from Ian Zvontessen. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing that right. Gets converts PK in the 41st minute. Uh, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say I didn't know who Atlanta United two was. I know who ATL UTD two was, but um, glad we can clarify that. But now this was for me. This was the most special part of the night was uh, Mike Anhauser getting honored. Um, you know, that dude's been around, I mean, 25 years. Jonathan Ace for BGN Written wrote a great article about that. And just all the respect. They played a couple of videos and, you know, Ozzy Alonzo. Shout out to the Sounders, despite Big Kev. Um, a lot of the <laughs> players were chiming in, you know, talking about how influential it was in their career. And the year I covered them, players couldn't say enough good things about them. Well, that's, that's cool. And certainly also Charleston doesn't spell their team name with alphabet soup. So that's always a good thing too. Also true. Can confirm. <laughs> but we've talked about it this season. I mean, no one thought Charleston was going to be anything this year. And uh, that coach just finds ways to win. And it's not always the same things. It's, I mean, I've been really impressed with what he's done, especially this year. Yeah. If it's not probably for coach of the year, I think it's going here. I don't see really any other, any other option. I wouldn't argue with that at all. Yeah, there, there's no argument here. That that seems to be – there's nobody else, nobody anywhere in any city <laughs> on the East Coast who has a better coach, to clarify, than <laughs> those teams we've talked about. If, if you look at it, even just the talent that Charleston lost, I feel like if you put that in front of someone and said, hey, this would be their record at, the, at this point in the season or at the end of the season, I feel like that would be easy to shoe in for a coach of the year. Yeah. So up next, it's uh, another shutout for Tampa Bay Rowdies, just in the wrong direction for fans of that team. Tampa Bay losing 2-0 to North Carolina. North Carolina getting goals from Marcel Canziora in the 65th minute, Daniel Rios in the 78th minute. Um, Canziora's goal, if I'm pronouncing that correct, God, I don't know. Uh, that was the 1,000th goal of the 2018 USL season. How about that? I looked per, yeah. per the league. Per the league, they say that was 1,000th goal, to clarify. I was preparing <laughs> to kind of talk about uh, Las Vegas, talk to uh, Thomas Viola on uh, the show that Carson is also on, the Ella, Las Vegas Soccer Betting Hour. I got it right that time. Yep. And while I was doing that, I was looking at some of the, um, the attacking stats and, um, you know, North Carolina has a lot of good stats and they're not popping up for me right now, but I think it's in, yes, passing. They have the second most passes in USL right behind us. Big surprise. Swill park ranger, Swill park rangers. Uh, their passing accuracy is 82%. Um, they're not scoring goals like they should, 
um, to combine with that. So you could argue that perhaps it's kind of a pointless um, possession stat where it's not paying off right now. But, um, you know, they're trying to play the right way. They're trying to score goals off of possession. Um, I respect that, but um, hopefully they can figure out the goals or they start showing up later in the season as we keep going here. But um, they haven't had a, a good run of games as of most recently. Even then, they're still hanging around my oh, wait, playoffs. Yes, they sure do. They're definitely around. They're definitely looking like they could easily make a run and steal a bottom spot. I was looking at the wrong line. I was looking at Charlotte Independence. They have a draw, a win, a win, a draw, a win in the last five. They're doing really well. So it is starting oh, to pay off. <laughs> my mistake. Happen. They're doing okay right now. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. North North Carolina was one we're talking about, right? They are unbeaten in their last six. Are they? Do you have a stat for them as far as making the playoffs, Pony? What do you think? Uh, let's see. I have them... I have them finishing 10th, but that Ottawa, New York, Bethlehem, and now Carolina is a pretty tight pack. Probably looking at two of them make it, two of them miss. Interesting. Well, hopefully we'll see see how that goes. Um, Up next, Swope Park Rangers losing to Portland Timbers uh, 2-0. So that is... The home side, zero. The two side with two goals. Um, Portland getting goals from Jeremy Ababasi in the seventh minute. Jack Barnby converting the PK in the 55th. Um, I don't think a single one of us, myself included, saw Portland Timbers getting their first shutout since like June 9th, I think. Um, And particularly away. I think most of us had this game pegged at a 2-2 draw, if I remember right. Um, it was a good win for Portland. This is one that they're going to really need to kind of solidify and try to try to like stay in the playoff picture because before this match, Swope Park and T2 were tied uh, on points. T2 had the tiebreaker on games one, and so they held seventh place, Swope Park Ranger in eighth. Um, so this puts three points between those two teams, and it's, it's a, probably a desperately needed win for Portland to kind of hold on to – uh, what might be their first playoff appearance. We'll have to see. And I think it, it's definitely panic time for Swope Park. They're now winless in seven games. They lost five of those. Their next two are Reno and San Antonio. So it's not going to get any easier for them. No, it's it certainly not. They don't look like the team that the last few seasons kind of came in as like the fourth seed and just went on a good run. They don't look at all that good. And when you have teams like St. Louis and, um, you know, some of the other sides that are, you know, right, you know, biting on their heels, um, Swope Park really can't afford to lose any points like they did, especially against the teams immediately surrounding them in the table, um, like T2 and, and whoever, who's in ninth right now? St. Louis. St. Louis. St. Louis. <laughs> well, we'll be talking about St. Louis uh, the game after next. So San Antonio's right above them, and they don't look to be slowing down. I know they just lost, but they they still look really good. So yeah, San Antonio's probably making the playoffs. My only worry about Swill Park Rangers is um, they you know that they have sent so many guys up that if they actually care about Swill Park, Ra- Park Rangers. They're going to send them down just to make the playoffs. They're going to send a lot of those young kids back down to, to win. But I don't know if they're going to do that. They might even need those young kids at this point. So, yeah, I think they need them because I think injuries and, and other stuff have, have you know necessitated that they've uh, brought players up. 
not only that, but a lot of depth, I think I, I could be wrong. These kids, some of them have been really proving themselves. I know people are really happy with what Jalen Lindsay's been doing with his time. So, um, you know, props to them for doing it. The other thing with, with Kansas city and Portland, um, and the MLS sides will be facing each other this Saturday. So the, you know, T2 made the trip out this past weekend. And then this coming weekend, the first team's going to be making the trip out to Kansas city. Um, and I will actually be there for that match. So I'm looking forward to actually being my first trip to Kansas City. Oh, nice. I love Kansas City. Never been there. Looking forward to it. Good town Peach for sure. Peachtree Buffet is my number one suggestion there. Now, the what? airport in Kansas City is on the M- Missouri side, right? I got to go there. Yeah. Yes, it is. So, so this will this will actually officially, like, I will, I will set my foot on Missouri ground so I can check that off as a state I have been to, and I can also then check off Kansas, two new states I've never been to. I go. had, like, a major panic moment when I was booking my flight there. Uh, my cousin and I went out there in 2016, I think, and mm-hmm. so I, like, go through, and I think I booked the flight. You know, you land in Missouri, and then I was like, oh, crap, it's, you know, I'm going to want to go to Kansas City, Kansas. I was like, I wonder how far away it is. It's, like, 20 minutes apart. Yeah. Um, it's a really weird city too in that the border usually there's some kind of geographical something separating you know a city when a city is on two two different states there's usually a river or something that really splits it you have no idea you're crossing over a state in kansas it's like the middle of a random highway and you're like oh i'm in kansas now cool and especially if you take back roads sometimes those back roads will weave in and out of kansas and missouri the whole time it's funny Good town, though. Um, what was that? Good town, though. Uh, please maybe do that buffet because I haven't heard of that, Carson. I'm curious. I've never had it, and I've been to a lot of Kansas City restaurants. But uh, I, I stumbled into that the two years ago. It's like all soul food, and it's like 12 bucks maybe, and it's delicious. <laughs> it sounds where is good. this at, and how do I get into it? It is – I'm trying to think of where it's at in relation to stadiums or anything, but – Peach Tree Buffet, I'll text it to you, but it is yeah. must stop. But well, dude, I, I'm well, this whole trip for me to go into Kansas City and then going to Dallas right after that, um, it's all about food. I was gonna <laughs> yeah, say, not, like, obviously, you can't leave there without getting at least two or three different restaurants and barbecue. You just have to. Yeah. Well, the problem with my trip in Kansas City is I'll be flying in on Saturday, so I'll have like two or three hours before kickoff, and then that night, and then I have to fly to Dallas first thing the next morning, so I won't. Unfortunately, we'll not have that much time. I think I'll get one meal in at in Kansas City, um, which is disappointing. But that's the way it, it worked out for the conference I have to go to in Texas. But I'll have like three or four days in Texas, so I'll, I'll be eating the crap out of food down there. Yeah, they got brisket <laughs> there too, so you'll be in good shape. Yep, Peach Tree Buffet, uh, twenty-three and a half miles from uh, Children's Mercy Park in the yeah. Missouri side, with Children's Mercy in the Kansas side. There you go. Well, it's a good thing I rented a car. um anyway up next we've got uh oklahoma so tulsa roughnecks two colorado springs one tulsa getting a win there uh they got goals from michael gamble in the 55th walking revis in the 71st colorado springs got their one goal from taylor hunter in the 45th did anyone catch this match no but shocking first of all awesome tulsa you won a game i love it i'm happy for you i'm happy for the uh the roustabouts those guys deserve a win they've been hanging in there this year and uh no surprise that joaquin rivas got one of those goals for the win no surprise at all 
a, a come from behind win too. I mean, they went down in the forty in the forty fifth minute, and they got they came back and and won two one. So that's pretty good. Um, but I believe this is Tulsa's only second win of this whole season. Correct. That's it. Right? So, so Tulsa and Toronto both have two wins this year so far. Uh, who ends with more wins? Tulsa. I'm going with Tulsa. That's a hard Tulsa ch- choice there. I'm okay. going when no one wins in this competition. It's just who loses. Uh, you're right. <laughs> you're That's right. probably true. So, but here's a more important question. Do you think either side get th- like more than three wins this season? Do we, does either team no. have two more wins in them so that they don't get only three wins, which was how many wins that T2 got last season in the second worst uh, USL season ever? It's how many wins the Hammerheads had in 2015. Oh, that's not a good. That's not a good way to put that. <laughs> that's scary. <laughs> three Tulsa. wins in one season is bad. Very, well, very. And you know, Tulsa should get three because they still have Seattle twice. Okay, they have a good chance. I have a couple thoughts here. One of them being Colorado Springs must be like their fans must be ticked because Colorado had no business losing that game. And they can't lose right now in the situation they're in and, and how close we are to the end of the season. Uh, well, the, it ahead. was over the road. Colorado Springs is bad on the road. They only have two road wins. Yeah. Yeah. But this, I think like like with Fresno, this was a loss that basically is going to cost them anything beyond a miracle finish. That's the only way they're going to make the playoffs now, I think, is they need to win almost all their final games. Mm. Yeah, I'm looking at Colorado Springs record, and they actually have the second most losses in the Western Conference, only lower than Seattle. So they're winning all their home uh, home games, losing all their away games, and then sprinkling some draws, huh? But they yeah, still have four. more road wins than Tulsa and Toronto have wins all year. Ah. Mm, that's and, interesting. And I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking ahead at Colorado Springs. I think they're done against itself. Phoenix twice and Salt Lake twice. Yep. Mm. Put a fork in that's rough. That. Um, <laughs> that's another thought I had, and we don't necessarily need to go into it tonight. But something like with D three coming. Uh, I know we always talk about two sides going down, but if Tulsa is kind of holding back that standard. Um, which they are this year. Last year was a bit of a bump, but the year before that was pretty ugly as well. Is is that a team that should drop down, even for their own sake, perhaps? They they go back and forth. The first year they were decent. I think they just barely missed playoffs, and they had the horrible year. Then they made the playoffs, I believe, last year. Then they were doing horrible looking this year. So hmm. if the things hold true, they're going to be somewhere between like a seven and eight seed, nine seed next season. Yeah. Interesting. So uh, let's see. Up next, St. Louis FC kicking the pants out of Las Vegas lights four to one. And we just happen to have Phil and Carson here. Uh, St. Louis with goals from Kavita in the fourth minute. Dak Dakris. Is that how pronounced? Oh, uh, Kadeem Dakers. Dakers. Dakers in the 14th minute. Greg in the 41st. Cox in the 88th. Vegas, uh, their only goal from Omar Salgado, converting the PK in the 19th minute. You two gentlemen, discuss. Go ahead, Phil. You guys won. (laughs) Um, I think we just matched up. First of all, St. Louis was really upset that they lost to Vegas 1-0 away. 
Um, St. Louis can be vulnerable to, you know, just a counterattack or, or making a slight mistake on the defensive side, even though that seems to be one of their strong points. They will just slip. It'll slip their mind to let in one goal, and they didn't, sometimes don't have enough attacking power to make up for that. And that's been the way to beat St. Louis this year. And uh, Vegas really did it, and they're a scary team in that way. And that you just never know. Like they could pop up out of any out of nowhere and score a goal. Sometimes three goals in a game, and win it. Um, they never seem to. I don't know. They. Don't, I always say this. They don't seem to have too many too close games. They have a lot of big wins and big losses because they kind of just go all out one way or the other. So um, this game to me was no different. They really were just kind of you know flying around the field and just trying their best to go crazy and get that get a goal in. And uh, St. Louis just defended well. They kept their cool and you know there were a lot of penalties. There was a lot of stoppage and. Like I said, they they kept their cool and scored a lot of goals and just kept um, hanging them on over and over. It was a very it wasn't like St. Louis to do this. So Carson, I don't know. Did you watch the game? How you felt about it? Yeah, I did. It was a very typical Vegas match. Um, overall, you had them scoring on a penalty that I thought was quite soft. Um, it was the keeper kind of took down Samuel Ochoa, but it looked like he might have. Made the save first. That the, even the broadcast was kind of, you know, split on that. Then I think they were leaning towards it not being a penalty. But um, yeah, a lot of fouls. Um, obviously, Garduno gets sent off, and then one thing that has been pretty consistent throughout the season, even when they get a lot of goals scored on them, Farino has been pretty good. He's mm-hmm. very aggressive. But um, watching this match, it easily could have been you know seven goals um, without some big saves from Farino. But yeah. Yeah, Vegas is, is chaos and anarchy every every match, and this was no different. <laughs> he actually, um, it was interesting to see um, Corey Herzog kind of took advantage of him coming out of the goal in that last goal with Michael Cox because St. Louis was actually on a break, and um, he got the ball, and he like literally waited for Farina to come out went around him and passed it in to Michael Cox just had to tap it in. And it was really smart move, a very veteran move from a guy like Corey Herzog. It was cool to see him get up, get on the board with an assist. And uh, yeah, he had a crazy double save on, um, they had a good counter. I think it was wall fall. That was actually, pushing yes. And he took like a second too long. Yeah. And it looked like he tried to pass it. Mourinho tipped the pass and then, had no business getting back to save the eventual shot and did that. So um, I always tell people when they ask who to watch for Vegas, it's always Ferrino. Oh, yeah. You're guaranteed shenanigans and then <laughs> saves 100% of the time. I love watching him. He's he's fun. And I got to meet him when we went to Vegas. So that was really cool, too. Excellent. Um, let's see. Let's try to uh, pick it up a little bit here. So OKC Energy three, Real Monarchs two. Um, OKC Energy getting a win, big win against the Western leaders. Valeski scoring in the first minute. Dixon in the twenty seventh. Patterson in the eighty third. Uh, Salt Lake City getting goals from Charlie Adams in the fifty eighth and Jack Blake in the sixtieth. Um, any quick comments on this match? Thanks was a cracker. He was like a top, that was top ten goal I think. Which one? Uh, Blake Jack Blake. Oh yeah. Oh Blake. I didn't call I didn't call Jack Blake a cracker. I said his goal was a cracker. For- <laughs> well, you did cut out there a little bit. All I heard was cracker. <laughs> That's fair. 
It's funny. Want to get ahead of the racial racial storm coming my direction? <laughs> you know the, how the internet is; it just disconnects, and you just miss words. So you gotta love Jake Jack Blake getting uh, leaving Tampa Bay the way that they are and going to a game like uh, Real Monarchs and getting time and scoring that kind of goal. That's that's great. Good for him. Um, I'm mad at him for not doing the Blake down anymore though, because I love it. Well, he can't do it because the other scoring goals. True. Um, up next, uh, Seattle Sounders two with three goals. San Antonio with two goals. Um, rough loss for San Antonio there. Seattle getting a, a rare win. Um, I'm not going to say Ryan's note down here because I don't want to. Um, <laughs> Seattle getting goals from Wingo in the fifth and 45th minute. Um, Hoppo in the 68th minute, San Antonio getting um, an own goal in the 13th minute from Seattle, uh, Guzman scoring in the 24th, um, David Olsen for Seattle receiving a second yellow card in the 77th minute, but they still got all three points. Um, so it, it is a, a good win for Seattle. Um, kind of surprising that, that San Antonio still managed to get two goals. Uh, just just on three shots on target too, which, which is pretty crazy. I didn't, did anyone see this? I didn't see this one. Nope. So I have a guess. I saw a little bit of the start. I remember it was pouring rain in uh, Tacoma for a big portion of the day before it eventually kind of uh. cleared out into sun. But it definitely seemed like this was a result that Seattle needed with only two wins in the last five. It's just or tough I'm in for the club. I mean, prior to that, they went on a a massive or on a pretty sizable losing streak of six matches, but they still seem to score pretty frequently. I mean, they had three wins in this or three goals in this one, three goals in their last win over Vegas in their last one, which was over Vegas on July 26. And they had like a five, three loss to low stoves. So definitely seems like this is that scoring in this much would eventually lead to three points one way or another. Yeah, Seattle got three points. I think that's all about when you. That's all when you really talk about. <laughs> I like um, the... up next. No, no, no. We're, we're moving on. We, we're running out of time anyway. So, um, Orange County getting four goals. Phoenix Rising getting three. Um, this was a pretty fun game. Watched a little bit of this. Phoenix getting uh, Solomon Asante's getting a hat trick, converting the PK in the 68th minute, and then getting goals in the 73rd and 90th minutes. Um, not enough to get his side a point or all three points, though. Orange County getting goals from Michael Seaton in the 39th and 67th minutes. Anna Voldson uh, patting his golden boot um, campaign with a goal in the 48th minute. Aiden Quinn converting to PK in the 65th minute. Um, did, anybody else want to talk about this one? Yeah, this was a good one, actually, and I wrote the recap for uh, Orange County. It was a battle of two teams holding you know, each other tight there at the second spot, and uh, yeah, it was, it was a pretty solid match. I know that second Asante goal, they marked it as an own goal and then gave it to uh, the guy who sent the cross in and then finally gave him his just hat trick, so uh, that was a good one. Yeah, it looks like Enna Voldson, He, I know that he was tied for the Golden Boot lead with 12 goals when he was tied with Charleston's Guerrera. Now he's still tied for the lead with 13 goals, but this time he's tied with Lancaster of Louisville 
and Nico Brett from Pittsburgh Riverhounds, as both of those two are, uh, you know, Brett's been doing very well at Pittsburgh. Lancaster obviously got himself a hat trick to kind of close that gap up a bit. So um, it's fun times, I think, watching all the people scoring goals in the USL. Um, lots of people up there with between 10 and 13 goals. So, Yeah, Orange County's doing very well for themselves offensively. They have, over the last six games, I think they have 17 total goals scored now. That's good stuff. Phoenix not. They, I don't know if you guys noticed, but Orange County scored their four goals, and then Phoenix did their best to catch up at the end. Like, their their defending seemed lackluster. Like, they, they weren't all that into it, even though they were at home, and this is a win where they kind of need to display that they're the better team over Orange County, and they just didn't really defend well in the first two-thirds of the game and then scored a million, you know, three goals and almost came back at the end. I don't know. I, I don't know what to think of this other than I don't like what Phoenix Rising would do in the playoffs if this is the way they're going to play. Well, it seems almost like Asante just kind of tried to pick up the team and drag them yeah. to a point at home. One of those goals was um, almost all him. Kind of yeah. came up short, but yeah. And they also lost Alessandro Rigi early, which kind of took the steam out of everyone, uh, especially on that Phoenix side. So that's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, it was a good game though. Just kind of solidifies that Orange County is uh, going to be one of the, one of the top sides in the West. I think. Don't want to. Really, don't probably don't want to be facing them in the playoffs. Um, let's see. Up next, we've got one, two, three, four more games to talk about. So Sacramento Republic two, Rio Grande Valley one. Sacramento getting the goals from Iwasa in the sixty first sixty first minute, Hall in the sixty eighth minute. Um, Rio Grande Valley opened the scoring via Carlos Small in the first minute, though. Um, Pony, tell us about this one. Yeah, welcome to classic Sacramento. For the first five minutes of any half, they are an absolutely horrible team. They It looks like they always get surprised that the game actually started. And it happened again here, where they easily got behind the defense, one on one keeper for RGB, and they put it away. And after about half an hour of trying to desperately hold on to only being down a goal. Sacramento, remember that they're one of the best teams in the West, and RGV is near the bottom of the table, and they started playing like that for the rest of the game. It's one of those, this is this is what is going to kill Sacramento, I think, come playoff time, is one of these starts of a half, they're going to give up two goals and not be able to get back into it. Anything from anybody else on that one? Well, I, I agree with you on that one, Pony. I think they, they, they could something like that that you mentioned could probably spell the end of their playoff uh, postseason if they do something like that in the playoffs, especially since some of the teams they might be facing. Um, going back over to the East, uh, Bethlehem Steel 1, Pittsburgh 2. Who gets the goals for Pittsburgh? None other than Nico Brett in the 35th and 79th minute. Steel getting a goal from Nanco in the 52nd minute. Um Lily Ball, well, Bob Lily is uh, still continues to do quite well with the Riverhounds. Um, they they seems to win. And what are they up to? Fourth, third in the East, higher, second, second. Well deserved second place, if you ask me. Hmm. We we just did our we finally finished our power rankings, right? Pony, do you have that accessible to you? Because I think um, we. I couldn't. Uh, couple seconds 
I think we rated Pittsburgh a little bit lower than second. Um, I might be wrong, but I think I missed doing that a second month in a row. So oh. I, <laughs> I think Phil did it like two weeks after the rest of us did yes. too. So it's going to be a little bit skewed. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. My I had a definite uh, leg up on everybody in that way. That's but okay. still, I think impressively enough that uh, Pony, you were talking about it in our uh, group chat that we have that a, a Bob Lilly player is leading the Golden Boot race. He's with 13 goals and Nico Brett, and that they also led this game shot battle 19 to four over Bethlehem. It's impressive, and yeah. be- I mean, but it's not like Bethlehem's bad either. Um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, we had Pittsburgh fourth. That's still pretty good. Yeah, so that's why I was thinking that they were in fourth because I was thinking the power rankings, not that they were not the actual standings. No, I think Pittsburgh is going to be a force. Oh yeah, They're yeah. Again, I did it weeks after, and I I I have them holding strong at second behind Cincinnati. But only you know most of that was I can't remember who they played, but the game before this, I believe. Oh, I can look it up right here in front of me. Nope, the one against the kickers oh, was too. They played before uh, Pittsburgh um, or Bethlehem. Yeah, they shut out Richmond, Toronto. Yeah, that game is the Richmond game is the one I'm talking about. That one, they just looked insane against Richmond. I mean, just un- unstoppable, even offensively. And of course, they look the same way defensively. So they look really, really good. Is it? It's like I mean, we know that Bob Lilly is is a has been very defensive in the past. You know, has has had very good defensive teams. Do we think that's May has maybe been not so much a factor in perhaps what he likes to do so much as maybe a factor of just the players he had available to him. And then now that he's moved to Pittsburgh and he's got a lot, you know, more talent maybe around him more to choose from perhaps he's playing differently or obviously a lot better scoring goals and getting a lot of shutouts still too. I think they're, they're not scoring goals. They only have 28 goals on the season. Uh, well, Nico Brett's got almost half of those. Pretty much. It's Nico Brett and, and company. Yeah, I was going to say, with, wow. with Nico Brett's speed, it's easy for them to sit back and then him to have some crazy, you know, full length of the pitch run and score. I think that's kind of been the, uh, their go-to under Lily for Evs. But, um, but see, Brett's not the fastest. He's a fast player. I will give you that. But he's not the fastest player. Um, out there, like he's a good, he's a good, good, speedy person. I, I think, I think that Lily is getting a lot more out of him than anyone has been before. I mean, he's definitely like got talent. Like the USL is is his level, and I, I'm really happy to see him be so successful. Um, because he led T2 in goals scored, oh, 2016, I believe it was, with seven. Um, so he, you know, he's 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 got the talent. I think. He just has a better system and better players around him right now, and so he's just putting them away like like candy. Eleven teams in USL have fewer goals scored than Pittsburgh, who currently have twenty eight. RGV has the fewest at nineteen, and the three teams that have scored fewer goals in Pittsburgh and current spots are Nashville with twenty one, San Antonio, and Indy with twenty seven. Huh. But we can't say Pittsburgh hasn't scored too many goals or not enough goals. Anywho, um, next game, Cincinnati beats Penn FC 1-0. Uh, Cincinnati goal coming from Ledesma in the 80th minute. Heinemann's return to Cincinnati. He subbed on the 67th minute for Penn. 
And uh, yep, that probably game probably went about as as the way any of us would have expected. So, uh, any comments on that one? I think it really didn't go the way at least I expected. I was watching this one, and for the first half, Cincinnati looked really bad. It was one of those I think they they were pretty lucky to be zero zero at the half. But in the second half, they turned around and were like, oh, this is good Cincinnati again. It's one of those where we've seen this now for the past few weeks, where there's good Cincinnati and there's bad Cincinnati. And it's just going to come down to who shows up in the playoffs. If it's good Cincinnati, they should win the East. If it's bad Cincinnati, they need to be on upset alert first round. Huh. <laughs> Love it. So, uh, Ryan, tell us about this 1-0 result for Cincinnati, since I see you typing about it. Just go ahead and, just go ahead and talk about but, it. <laughs> Yeah, I was just saying that this is uh, Cincinnati's third uh, win of the year by a scoreline of 1-0. And they it's their first one since March 31st since they begin the year with uh, two 1-0 results against uh, Charleston and Indy. So for all their wins, this is only the third time they scored. They've won 1-0. Yeah, I mean, they were more of a defensive team last year than this year by far. So, you know, that's not surprising to hear. Would you agree, Pony? You you watch them pretty closely. <laughs> I watch. Uh, I guess hate watch is a thing. But, uh, yeah, this year they're doing pretty decently defensively. About I think they're allowing a goal a game. Trying to pull up the 2017 numbers real fast. Yeah, last year they were not good defensively. So I think that is the big difference. Is they're kind of realizing that you need a good defense to win in the USL. You can't just be like New York and try to win. 6-5 every single game because that's not going to work out. And in the first year, they were even better, de- better defense than they are now, at least goals per game-wise. Oh, interesting. So, it's one of those. It's They seem to, as much as people want to say they're fun to watch because they can score a lot of goals, it's been their defense that's been getting them wins. Like I said earlier, defense will win your championships. Goals yeah. just makes it entertaining. Like I said, I think still the worst team to the worst defensive team to ever win the championship was Charleston, allowing one goal per game. Wow, that's crazy. They're also the lowest ELO championship as well, which Cincinnati has currently surpassed uh, in their current rating of eleven fifty nine. And did you say that's ten? That's their tenth shutout this year, Ryan. Yeah, correct. Oh. All right, okay. this match was their 10th shot out on the year. Oh, okay. Never mind. Cool, cool. Good for them. Speaking of shutouts and teams that got only their second win of the year, I mean, having no relation to what we've just talked about, really, <laughs> Toronto FC2 beat Richmond Kickers 1-0. So that is Toronto's second win of the season, and I don't know probably what first, second shutout. I don't really know. <laughs> but uh, shutouts, obviously, um, few and far between for them. Toronto getting their goal in the 48th minute from Jordan Hamilton. And uh, I think we kind of talked about this a little bit when uh, Tulsa had won their second game of the season earlier. Um, you know, it's uh, the two teams that are bottom of the table in the West, right? And in East in their respective conferences, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Richmond's uh, third bottom. Well, Toronto bottom in East, Tulsa bottom in West, what I meant. Four shutout on the year for Toronto. So it looks like they probably have a couple uh, no-nil draws out there. Yeah, they have a pair of nil-nil draws. It's actually interesting they have more shutouts than Tulsa does. But hmm. Tulsa's just been the king of drawing a bunch of people in a row. 
Tulsa had a streak where they drew seven of eight games. <laughs> wow. I mean, shockingly, with those no no draws, they got uh, one of them against NC, but more impressively, the other one came against New on April 28th. Yeah, it's pretty impressive at that. Out of the three teams that, out of three of the four teams that Toronto has taken points from, are probably going to make playoffs. Wow. Crazy. Toronto well. FC 2 2019 D3 champions, anyone? <laughs> Love to no. see it. It'd be funny. I don't think so, maybe. though. I think maybe Tormenta. They killed in PDL, I think, this year. I think they did really well. Well, we'll see. Um, that was the last game for week 22. And I think that's did it. time to call it for us. That episode actually went longer than I thought it was. <laughs> we had a lot to talk about with these matches, I'm sure. I say one thing I forgot to mention during the Vegas game, he we picked up his 11th yellow card of the season, which I think ties for the USL single season record. After five, you get suspended for a game. After three more, you're suspended for another game. And so that's eight. Two matches. So oh. after so after three more, which would be eleven total, he was he would be suspended again. Then right? Yeah, he's out next ma- tomorrow or Wednesday's match, and then Saturday's match as well. Wow. He'll have ten games to pick up one more to set the record. Naughty, naughty. <laughs> yeah, that's where he's going. It sounds like he'll do it. <laughs> I mean, the impressive part of that is he's had eleven. <laughs> Yellow cards and they're 22 games into the season, and Rivers been suspended twice already. So that's a pretty good clip. And I'm pretty sure Chalice has been suspended more games than he's been allowed on the touchline for. But I've not done <laughs> that calculation recently. That's funny. Well, like you said, it's chaos and anarchy in Vegas, yeah. but it sure as hell makes it entertaining. Also true, and it's Vegas. U.S. night Saturday. Yeah, Vegas leads the league with 66 yellow cards. Oh, my God. Jeez. That's a lot. And six red cards. Also tied for leading the league. Awesome. Well, on that bombshell, we'll call it a night for the USL show. (laughs) Appreciate everybody tuning in and listening to us, and uh, we'll catch you next week.